you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, the big circles tent in the sky, the big uh, empire of data and information that will make you smarter, brillianter. And also when you're smarter and brillianter, I read that you're sexier to uh, whoever you might want to be sexier to. I don't know if that's true, but the lawyer said I can probably get away with that one without being sued because there's no real corporation behind the sexuality. Uh, at least I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's a thing. Anyway, guys, before we do get those C&Ds from whoever was offended by uh, me making that joke, uh, be sure to refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. I never know what the ramble is going to be on any given day. You're going to have to tune in and see what each one is. It's all improv. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, yeah, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss. See that big LinkedIn newsletter? That thing is killing it over there. In fact, there's a couple of them. There's the Chris Voss show. There's the Chris Voss on LinkedIn and there's the beacons of leadership. And then there's also another one. So uh, it's just a great place to be over there on LinkedIn. Some crazy numbers we've been seeing from that area over there. Anyway, we have an amazing author on the show today. I'm sure you're, uh, I'm sure you're here for the brain brain bleed because I think that's the theme of the show. So uh, I have some authors sometimes come on and go, wait, you're going to make your guests brain bleed with my information not really but we're still waiting to be sued for that too uh anyway guys uh we have the author of the amazing new book it came out february 21st 2023 uh the curse of the marquis de sad uh i believe i had that pronounced correctly a yeah. note yeah, there you go. Uh, you can hear the author in the background uh, chiming in. So we got his uh, validation there. A notorious scoundrel, a mythical manuscript, and the biggest scandal in literary history. And that's not me or my book. That's this gentleman, The Curse of the Marquis de Sade. Uh, Joel Warner is on the show with us today. He's going to be talking to us about his amazing book. And, you know, I got to tell you, this is a side note. And this, I, I don't know why we're doing side notes because it's all... We're breaking the fourth wall on the show, but here we are. Uh, so I just make it up as I go along, people. It's we don't write this show. Uh, anyway, uh, what was interesting was when I saw Joel's book, and uh, you know we go through all the really cool books that are out there. Uh, and when I saw his book, I was like, I've never heard of this, and I've heard a lot of stuff, as you, most of you know on the show. I can talk just about anything and everything, uh, but I never heard of this book, and I was like. I really want to know what this is about. So I think you're going to want to know what it's about because you're actually going to find out that this is the core basis for some of the things you might have heard in life or some of the things you might be interested in. Anyway, welcome to the show, Joel. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks for coming. And it's an honor to have you on uh, to talk about some of your stuff. Uh, give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs. It's complicated. You go to www.joel.com warner like warnerbrothers.com so www.joelwarner.com there you go any any relation to uh, the warner brothers uh the owner i forget his name as far as i know unfortunately no relation but you know yeah. if somebody has a connection 
please let me know. There you go. In fact, you think I'd remember his name? I was actually watching the the Treasure of the Sierra Madre uh, with uh, Humphrey Bogart. Uh, I think last night or something. Uh, and uh, I was on a twenty four hour fast, so I'm not sure what happened last night. Uh, but somehow I got through twenty four hours of fast. Joel Warner is a writer and editor whose work has appeared in Esquire, Wired, Newsweek, Men's Journal, Bloomberg. Uh, Bloomberg, Business Week, Popular Science, and Slate, among others. He's currently the managing editor of the investigative news outlet, The Lever, and previously worked as staff writer at International Business Times and Westworld. Uh, he's co-author of The Humor Code. He lives with his family in Denver, Colorado. Uh, so, Joel, uh, what motivated you with that history you have in your rich bio uh, to write this book? Um, so like a lot of uh, journalists, I'm just fascinated by super interesting stories. Stories, as you said, that I've never heard about, and I assume most people haven't heard about, uh, that I think would be compelling enough to kind of kind of uh, lure readers along for, for two or 300 pages and, 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 uh, and read like fiction, but actually based on true stories. Mm -hmm. So, um, a few years ago now, actually back in 2015, I had some friends who were writers and weirdos like me uh, who'd visited Paris. And they said when they visited Paris, they, want, they wanted to go check out this notorious 40-foot-long scroll written in the bowels of the Bastille prison right before the French Revolution by the most notorious name in literature uh, who... Uh, um, and considered the worst thing ever written. Um, and they showed up at this museum where we were supposed to be, and the place was boarded up, and there were French police uh, carting boxes out the front door who told them that the operation had been shut down because the owner of the operation, the person who had just recently bought this notorious scroll, this supposedly a cursed scroll, had then right after been accused of being the Bernie Madoff of France. Wow. That's super fascinating. And I've never heard about it, and there was no coverage of it at all here in the states. So I'm like, this it could be some potential. I'm, I'm I was I, maybe my curiosity was because uh, you know you, in the title you have a notorious scoundrel, and I was like, wait, there's someone bigger than me out there who's a notorious scoundrel. In fact, we were going to name the show that originally the the notorious scoundrel show. In fact, if we do a side podcast, we'll do that as well. So, <laughs> give us an overview, like a thirty thousand uh, foot view of of uh, kind of what's in the book, and then we'll get into some of the details. Yeah, so the book kind of uh, tracks three different stories. One is the notorious scoundrel. This is the Marquis de Sade, who is this horrible French aristocrat, uh, definitely very much uh, the Jeffrey Epstein of his day, except worse. Oh, wow. But then instead of uh, instead of dying under mysterious circumstances in prison, he ends up becoming obsessed with be becoming a writer, and he wrote, and he, he wrote some of the most uh, despicable uh literature ever created and that's actually how we have the term sadism or, ah. or sadistic because you know it's because you know this <laughs> the idea of driving of driving pleasure from pain comes from this the horrible guy the marquis de sade so, so that's his, one of the stories his namesake de sade is the is the root word of sadism where it comes from is that correct yes Yes, wow. and there's still Saad family members, and it gets a bit awkward. One of them uh, was a government minister in France, a lovely fellow who uh, the press had a field day when they learned that uh, Assad was in charge of family and women's matters. So that was that was wow. a few years ago. It sounds like the so, Fifty Shades of Gray of the uh, whenever this was written. 
No, <laughs> in some ways, that's what that's what a lot of people think, but actually, it's much worse. Oh, it's wow. much more like wow. a literary version of the movie Saw or mm. Hostel. Like, like it's much more wow. like pure torture. It's horrible stuff. Don't I don't want any of your listeners to go read it. That book, they can read my book, and I, yes. I, I'm careful not to do big, gross quotes. But don't read this novel, which Assad's novel, which is called 120 Days of Sodom. So that's the first okay. story. Okay, the mm -hmm. second story is about this manuscript. So he wrote it while imprisoned, 40 foot long scroll called 120 Days of Sodom, and it became one of these kind of mythical relics that, after the fall of the Bastille and the start of the French Revolution, ended up being. Uh, Kind of transported all over Europe in the centuries to come, and ended up uh, hidden in a erotica a collector's a library. Ended up in Berlin and helped fuel uh, a sexual revolution in Berlin before wow. the rise of the Nazis. It was then bought by famous uh, Parisian art patrons and became a centerpiece of the Surrealism movement in the 1930s mm. in France. Uh, it was stolen and smuggled to Switzerland. Ended up. Uh, in the hands of one of the richest men in the world and there were international court battles so it was one of these like wow. incredible journeys and then in 2014 it gets it, it gets purchased for about 10 million dollars which makes it one of the most valuable manuscripts in the world like comparable wow. to shakespeare's first folio and the gutenberg bible for 10 million dollars it was finally brought back to france okay now now it's now it's good now it's safe mm -hmm. the curse is over right uh, -huh. uh and then a few months later the guy who bought it, who had this massive uh, um, book and manuscript company, is accused of running the largest Ponzi scheme in French history. Wow. So so that's a third story. Are you worried about getting any part of the curse on you? Like, you know, um, event, maybe, you know it's like King Tut or something. I'm, I keep telling people I'm hoping there's no <laughs> curse because, yeah, I definitely wrote a whole book on this thing. So, yeah. you know. I'm yeah. a, I'm, I'm an optimistic guy. I'm hoping, uh, hoping the curse skips over me. Yeah, and these are these are facts. This is a real dude, and he wrote it in the Bastille while he was in prison. What was he in prison for? Can you you want to tease that out, or you want to leave that? So out? it's funny. I mean, the things that Saad did as a young man is that you know he engaged in blasphemous acts with a prostitute, whores, oh. um, locked a bunch of young men and women in one of his chateaus for his own sexual devices wow. um he, he ran away to italy with his sister-in-law who was living in in a convent at the time mm. so he did all these things and you know he keeps getting accused of things he was you know they tried to execute him a couple times but the reason that he got imprisoned mm -hmm. was because his mother-in-law got sick of him Oh, wow. Well, I because mean... she was like, I am done with this guy and all this stuff. <laughs> and she had a good friend in the last king of Fran France. And and so, you know, she was like, Louis, can you write one of your uh, your, your royal uh, letters and lock this guy up for, you know, with no actual charges? And wow. I was like, OK, so, yeah. So so watch out for those mother-in-laws. Yeah, that, I mean, that's still true today. Uh, uh, you know, you got to watch out for those. <laughs> There's a joke we do on the show sometimes <laughs> in the intro where we're like, the Chris Voss show is a family that loves you and doesn't judge you, uh, unlike your mother-in-law. It's a joke we'll oh, yeah. on the ramble every now and then. But uh, no, man, I mean, some of the things you listed there, uh, prostitutes, uh, you know, uh, uh, locking people in chateaus that's just Fridays around the Chris Voss show. That's that's oh, uh, good, normal. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I get it. um, 
<laughs> a little bit of spirit rhino. I don't know what's going on. I'm just doing jokes here, people. Don't get all upset and write me. Um, but this is this is really interesting. Uh, how does he write this thing? Is he supposed to be writing it in the prison? You know, and it's a 40 foot scroll. Like, how do you how do you make sure the guards don't take it? And it's, I mean, it seems like a really unique piece of literary history. I mean, it's interesting. So in some ways, uh, there was this kind of cottage industry about uh, horrible rumors and stories coming out of this fearsome Bastille prison where everyone was locked away with the skeletons and rats. Now, Saad was part of the French nobility, part of the French aristocracy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, part of the French aristocracy and pretty high up. So, yes, he was locked away, but he had literally everything he could imagine in his cell. He had hundreds of books. He had nice furniture. Hmm. He had certain um, sexual devices crafted to very specific sizes by one of Paris's <laughs> preeminent cabinet makers because, you know, he gets, <laughs> he gets lonely in there. Um, and so, no, he had access to writing materials. He had access uh, to paper and quills and ink. Now, this particular writing was so obscene, so scandalous that he knew if he was caught with it, even with even with his aristocratic reputation, that he would get in trouble. So he took lots of small pieces of paper and pasted them end to end. And this thing's tiny. This thing is it honestly looks like a roll of toilet paper. So it's about four inches wide. Wow. And and he would write each page and then and then paste another page beneath it and keep writing. He did this for like 27 nights. Um mm. And then he and he rolled it up. He rolled up this forty foot long scroll and hid it between uh, the stones of a cell wall because he didn't want anybody to find this thing. Wow! Yeah, and uh, and so it's just it was deemed at the time that now now was 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 what he wrote in the hundred twenty days of Sodom uh, was was it his own stories or was there was there a lot of this going on abuse by the aristocrats of of commoners in sexual ways and different things going on and he just was kind of the one who told on them this is one of the big outstanding arguments about the scroll which is mm-hmm. why the heck did this guy write this thing why would someone have spent you know this thing was a, a huge amount of work this guy you know the writing is so small it's hard to read with a magnifying glass um you know would have uh, so the question is, why would he have bothered writing this horrible thing? What was the point, right? Mm-hmm. And some people say, oh, it's because Saad was just this kind of deranged criminal, and he was writing about the stuff that he did, for example, when he locked young people in his chateau, or stuff that, that he wanted to do, and it was his way of kind of acting this stuff out. Now, mm-hmm. other people say, no, Saad was actually uh, kind of a revolutionary ahead of his time, and he was working to expose the corruption of the of the aristocracy oh. to which he was born uh and uh because um you know because because uh you know Saad was far from the only aristocrat doing horrible things at mm. the time uh to seek out pleasure there's lots of stories of of abusive aristocrats and that was one of the many factors that would lead to the french revolution in just a few years so but but we don't know like mm. like like we don't know what led this guy who was locked in prison to spend so much time and effort on this essentially unreadable manuscript. Wow. And, and now I know the basis of the word sadism. Yeah. Did, 
Yeah, he should have married the the guy who wrote the scroll for masochism, you know, because everyone says say masochism again. I don't know what to mean. Exactly. <laughs> Would be beautiful. Is there there's probably a scroll for that? And this thing survives like the Nazi book burnings. Uh it sounds like, you know, there was a lot of people who liked it as a collector's item or a rarity or its novelty. But then there was also lots of people who wanted to hunt it down and kill it, maybe. And we've had that through history. In fact, we have that now where we have certain people that want to still burn books. In fact, there was a preacher recently who uh, did a book burning, I think. Uh, awesome. So how does it survive That's all great. this stuff? <laughs> um, no, it is interesting where this thing is an incredibly unique and fragile object. And there were yeah. multiple points when it very well should have been destroyed. Like it, mm -hmm. it, it narrowly escaped. Uh, the sacking of the Bastille, where it very could have uh, been destroyed, um, it ended up in in Germany in, in the early twentieth century, and became it was seen as this kind of actually kind of a science, an, an early scientific textbook of of sexual diversity, mm. and it was this it was actually this kind of thriving institute of sexual science in in, in Berlin at the time, um, until the nineteen thirties, Nazis came in and ransacked the institute took all of the books all of the materials and had a massive book burning and so it's very that so this scroll could have been could have been destroyed then it had escaped germany a few years before then wow and you know and and moved on uh back to paris for a bit where it was this kind of icon of the kind of avant-garde movement so it is it's this it, it is this kind of this fascinating odyssey where you know it's almost like a movie where you know it keeps Almost like Saw himself, it keeps get it, it keeps escaping from execution at the last minute. Wow, and it's extraordinary. I mean, we've had people on that talked about the Rosetta Stone and and different things. I mean, this is extraordinary in literary history. Literary history. I mean, regardless of what you think about sadism or you know some of the stuff that's in it, just the, just the fact that how it's written and how it's endured and and the interest that people have in it. Um, it, it's almost like the Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, of today. I mean, probably it's probably written better than Fifty Shades of Grey. Originally, the Fifty Shades of Grey was like a horrible manuscript. It probably still is. I don't know. I've never read it, but it really had a lot of misspellings and different. Things. It was independent. I think it was independently published. But uh, this is kind of interesting. Like now, I know the root word of of uh, sado or sadism. And stuff like yeah. that. I, I joke with all my married friends; they're sadists. Like all my Harry, all my uh, married husbands. I'm like, you guys are sadists. You guys love pain. That's why you guys get married. But I'm a single guy, and I've been single all my life, so I can tell that joke, and I can tease my Good married joke. friends. Yeah, and uh, you know, I can I can be like, hey, uh, I'll just skip that joke. Um, but uh, no, it's interesting <laughs> where this comes. <laughs> it's I tease my married friends a lot. I I revel a bit too much in my single dumb and they hate me, but they, they also live vicariously through me, you know, cause like I said, we do the same things on weekends on Fridays around here. Um, so the, the, uh, the, the, this gentleman, uh, you talk about this particular rise and fall of this gentleman, uh, in France who, uh, at one time was the king of manuscripts. Yes. The king and, um, uh, did the Bernie made off of France that he, you know, they find him out for, does that have anything to do with the manuscript or is that a whole nother issue? It is all tied together ah. uh, in that um, France, in particular, these certain small neighborhoods in Paris have long been known as the epicenter of the rare book world. So, mm -hmm. like, you know, if you were an elite rare book collector, you would go to these tiny bookshops right off the center. You would go to the auction houses in central Paris. And that's this is where you would kind of... Uh, 
bid and buy and sell, you know, first editions of of Hemingway's novels, of uh, of original scripts of uh, of War in the Worlds, uh, War of the Worlds. So mm -hmm. this was like this is like this this was this the elite market for this stuff. People who were quite rich, um, and then in the early two thousands, this completely unexpected fellow, mm -hmm. uh, self made son of a plumber in France. His name is Gerard Lierretier. Uh, he said, you know what? It's time to shake up this market. So we created a new company. It was called Aristophil. <laughs> and he was like, hey, instead of only kind of rich people going and buying, selling this stuff, I'm going to open this market up to everybody. So he so he went out. He had independent uh, advisors go to teachers and police officers and all sorts of kind of other middle class people all over France, and all over Europe and say, hey, you can buy a share of this manuscript. You can buy a wow. share of the of the little prince of of this Mozart uh, um, uh, kind of concerto. Mm -hmm. um, and you can own a share of this literary history. And best of all, after five years, when you sell it back, when you sell your share back to us, you, you get a forty percent return. Uh. So basically, he turned this this tiny elite, isolated market of rare books, manuscripts, and these things were real, uh -huh. into a giant financial vehicle. It became just a, you know basically an investment company. Wow. So 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 this thing became huge. Eighteen thousand people invested in this thing. Um, yeah, you know he, you know he ended up collecting one of the largest, uh, or amassing one of the largest collection of of manuscripts and letters in the world, and then in you know, and one of his last acquisitions and one of his most famous acquisitions was this ten million dollar scroll of the Marquis de Sade, you know, and at that point he was kind of at the top of the world, and then a few months later, the authorities came in and said this thing is just a giant Ponzi scheme and we're shutting the whole thing down. <laughs> Busted. Busted. So, did the did the uh, French government ever have like an issue with this? Where they found it was an embarrassment? Maybe there was some political like we need to shut this down. This makes uh, the French look bad, as if you know those surrenders in World War One and Two didn't look bad at all. <laughs> that's a that's a really good question, Chris. And one of the right. things, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like uh, the mystery around around Saad, like like what his motivations are. So. So this guy Gerard Lierte, the the one time king of manuscripts, he's yet to go on trial. So uh -huh. he's still awaiting trial. So that's why we have to say an alleged Ponzi scheme because uh -huh. the authorities say this was a Ponzi scheme and we're trying to protect everybody. Well, Lierte says, uh, "You guys were just jealous of my success. You were threatened by my success, and you decided to destroy my operation, especially because then you could get kind of choice manuscripts uh, and." And get them for the state, including the scroll of the Marquis de Sade. Ah, so maybe a politician is born of that. Yes, you know those politicians are kind of sadists too. They, you know, sometimes they get caught up in some interesting stuff. You know, you always hear about that every now and then. Yeah, but but they'd have to read it. So that's true. That's true. Yeah, there's no audio book. I don't think of Hunter Trinity. <laughs> is there an audio book of Fifty Shades of Grey? I don't know why I'm doing oh, that. I'm sure it is. But it seems like a good joke to reference. Um, so this is really interesting. I mean, a historical thing. Uh, you see how this has uh, somehow uh, maintained itself over time. And 
And uh, so where is it now, if you can tell us, or if you, if you want to leave that in the book, that you know, people, we want people to buy the book so that they can, you know, find can out. I, can I be incredibly selfish and self-serving and sure. say that uh, yeah, to find true. out where uh, this notorious manuscript that has been all over Europe, where it is now, folks might have to go buy the book. Go buy the book. There okay? you go. We were actually going to call the podcast that the incredibly self-serving podcast, but people just kind of know that's the way I roll anyway. So yeah, I yeah. think uh, that or was the the narcissistic assholes podcast, and uh, people just refer. They to had a lot of options. Thing. Yeah, they still run up to me at shows and stuff and events, and they scream thechrisvineshow.com. That whole part we sing at the beginning because somehow that became a thing back in the day. And, and if I stop doing it, I get hate mail. Why do you stop singing the intro? And I'm just like, do I? Do we have to keep doing that? It was like a bit we did of Howard Stern when Howard Stern would do the WNBC, the Chris Voss show. So we did it for a week, and now it's stuck for 13 years. So what are you going to do? Uh, anything more you want to tease out about the book uh, so that we um, should uh, get people who want to okay, go? Well, okay. Baby up? So I tried to, you know, this is this is nonfiction. So everything that I write about happened. I have extensive boring footnotes this thing is thrilling. but what i really tried to do is write it like a thriller i tried mm. to really write it like this is you know i tried to write books like uh i've heard of a uh, devil in the white city by oh. eric larson which is about the serial uh killer oh. i tried to write it as a page turner because all i wanted to do was to entertain readers so what i tried so um if folks are interested in larger than life uh historical tales if they're interested in uh in international capers um looking for a good beach read or vacation read. i mean that's kind of how i tried to write this thing um it's supposed to be it's supposed to be fascinating and fun um and for those listeners viewers who might be, be a bit squeamish i don't know how many of your listeners would be like that chris um as i said me what, so far so i don't know yeah so 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 this is probably not a concern but i actually like i actually try not to focus kind of too much on the writing of this okay of this horrible manuscript because because actually it is horribly written like 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 it's useless to read to me it's much more fascinating uh was the stories and the scandals and the and the people around this thing yeah i mean the history of it i mean that's that's what's always intrigued me and that's why we always have great authors like yourself on the show is learning about history and some of the things that have gone on there's a lot, there's a lot of things that i didn't know there's that fell through the nooks and crannies and yeah and stuff like this and and yeah i mean i mean i think my audience are, are mostly sadists because they enjoy the pain of listening to me every day but uh yeah. there's that you know they keep coming back for more and i wonder about them I, maybe they need a psychiatrist but we have those on the show too <laughs> so we try and be all inclusive as yeah as to take care of the show. But, you know i've seen parts of 50 shades of gray and the chicks dug it so uh you know what are you gonna do uh <laughs> hey if you, you like but the history is all types yeah, like, like now I'm going to be able to walk away and rock around and brag to everybody that, you know, because of your book, I know the core root of sadism. And people are going to be like, why does he keep bringing them up at parties? But yeah, it's fun. And I'll be yeah, able to. Did, you know, did I make your brain bleed a little bit? Yeah, just a little bit. Just, just a little, just a little bit. bit, which None is what, you know. Hemorrhage, but, you know. Yeah. As a sadist, <laughs> it's what you want, man. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm more of a masochist, but uh, I don't know. I drive, I drive pleasure from making. Uh, people have painful noise in their eardrums from the sound of my voice so yeah that's pretty sadistic <laughs> yeah well what are you gonna do I, for some reason people sign up for it so 
<laughs> I'll just keep doing it for 13 years. Well, this has been really insightful, Joel, to have you on the show. Uh, give us your .com so people can uh, yeah. look you up on the internet and find out oh, and what's I'll wrong my, with you. I'll show my book. How about that? <laughs> this is this is. I'm supposed to be trying to promote my book as my publisher. So here it is. Here's the book. There you, go. you guys see that? The Curse of the Marquis. The Curse of the Marquis de Sade. Out now internationally. You can find out how to buy it at your favorite local bookstore at www.joelwarner, J O E L W A R N E R.com. So www.joelwarner.com. And thank yeah. you very much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for the fantastic chat, Chris. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's been fun and it's interesting too. I think a lot of people will take interest in it because they'll be now you can walk around and you can be all smart and tell people, hey, you know what the you know you know where sadism comes from that word yeah uh you know and there's a, there's this dude and it's an interesting story the bastille and france and french Levin, and this sounds like something the french would come up with anyway that i don't oh, know oh yeah oh it's very that. It's <laughs> french very are lovely french. people but i know they hate us americans so whatever anyway yeah. it's funny i'm just being funny we love the french I think we have a pretty good French audience. I think I'll have to check the numbers. I know around the world they love us. So uh, anyway, uh, check out the book, guys. Order it wherever fine books are sold, but only go to those fine bookstores because if you go to the Bastille, uh, those alleyway bookstores, you might you know need a tetanus shot or get mugged. I was mugged last week at one. Uh, anyway, guys, order it up wherever fine books are sold. February twenty first, twenty twenty three. The Curse of the Marquis de Sade, a notorious scoundrel a mythical manuscript and the biggest scandal in literary history. And that's not me about me. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> anyway, guys, go, go, before the show to your family, friends, and relatives, remember the Chris Foss show is like an MLM, but not like an MLM. You need to have five people in your downline. You prefer the show to, or else there's nowhere else. I'm just kidding folks. Go to youtube.com for Chris Foss, goodreads.com for Chris Foss, linkedin.com for Chris Foss. All those crazy places we are on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time. And that's